1: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
0: The Around the League Podcast is comfortable learning under Chad Henning.
2: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Chris Wessling, Mark Zessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Wow. Both Greg He's and back. Wes did an awkward white guy fist bump. Well, I do that yeah, stuff was, all the just, time. Was, I'm, I'm always, always doing, bump. doing that. But, uh, but I'm excited, too. I just gave my own white guy fist bump because. You are a factory <laughs> of <fashion. laughs> Shut up, TD. Because Wes is back. Yes. Back in the house. Give me Good another day. hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. One more. I talked over you.
3: Hey, Dan. Yeah. Ow. You, What's excited? Up? you excited for the season? Yes. The, fun, the fun is over, Wesleyan. I know, you know you've know you enjoyed it. You've been in Cincinnati. You ate all your back. share of chili. Football is happening. Turn down for what?
2: <laughs> <laughs> the man is back. How was your trip?
4: It was awesome. I ran into friends that I hadn't seen in eight or nine years, ten years since I moved from Cincinnati to Georgia. Hung out with them. Hung out with most of my brothers. My mom
5: had a great good. time. Did you, I am putting oh, the uh, over-under on beers imbibed at 96. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> confirm nor deny.
2: Did you find love? Over.
4: Did okay. I find love? Yes. 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 from my family and my okay. friends. Good yes. answer. That's, That's good. That matters That's good. most. I
2: like that. Uh, so Wes is back. We got the full crew, at least until my wife gives birth, which is going to happen at some point in society.
3: Ego.
4: hands. Well, ego you, Real quick, in. I wouldn't say that I'm coming back. To drop the hammer on this podcast, which Ooh. seemed to lack a little discipline on Friday. Wow! <laughs> wow. What does that <laughs> what mean? <laughs> what does that even mean? That the podcast was careening off the rails at least a half dozen times. I don't know. But I do want to say the listen energy this, speaking level of was ego, among.
2: Listen to this guy. It was a great The
4: energy, <laughs> energy
3: level was among the best we've had. Oh, so basically, you're taking a shot at Kevin Patrick. I yeah, see. No, Team
2: I Thank God Wes is back to save the podcast.
3: Look, no one even
4: <laughs> jumped on your weird Al request for for music.
2: Uh, listen, I, that, was, that was their fault.
4: Well, a I don't know. I'm disappointed that no one talked about all about the Pentiums, baby. You're uh, upset I... that
2: we
5: careened <laughs> off course, but then we didn't go <laughs> further yeah. with Weird Al right. right. Not enough Yankovic, right. Wes says, and it's to so, show, show structure the, issues. A little bit of the pot calling the kettle
3: black after Wesseling's... Somewhat sleepy performance oh, yeah. on the previous podcast. Sleepy?
2: Yeah. You were basically a corpse laying yeah, yeah, yeah. on an air mattress. You seem
4: like I you're think just it's understandable if you knew what <laughs> activities I had been up to during the two well, let's, let's let's stick to
2: the uh, – the macro viewpoint, this is a, it's great to have you back, Wes. We have a big show today. Mike Tannenbaum, the former Jets GM, who's also working with NFL Network right now during their Inside Training Camp live show. Uh, he will be in studio a little later. Uh, we're also going to talk about some early takeaways that we've all had from camp, things that have jumped out to us. Uh, but before that, we're going to check in with a great TD. How are you, buddy?
4: What's going on, guys? How are you doing?
2: Good, good, good. We're very good. Oh, we got the crew back together.
4: No, Wesley's oh. back here. While I'm on hammer-dropping duty, TD on, on hoops, I don't lace them up for less than 50. Whoa.
6: Oh, I like it. Let's do it.
2: Wait, what is that in reference to?
4: A little hoops. Oh, kid. you would
2: have to be paid to play?
4: I would have to pay to play against TD. <laughs> oh, I like this. <laughs> I like the heat, man. I like the idea. Fun, right?
2: They are haymakers all over the place. <laughs> Let's start with some news.
4: I just love playing a game of football. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to go.
2: <laughs> who, who was that? I was that, that
3: Wesley? Andre last Johnson. Week? <laughs> Andre Johnson. Oh, wow. I uh, love that baritone. We should have him ripping off some. Uh, money I would buy
2: a soul album by Andre Johnson. Yeah, I, I just love playing a game of football. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to go.
3: <laughs> he could be a voiceover guy. I like that.
2: Um, okay, we'll start in San Francisco. Some running back issues have cropped up in a, quite a speedy manner. Kendall Hunter suffered an ACL tear. This was reported on Saturday by NFL media insider Ian Rappaport. Uh, the team later confirmed the injury, likely ending Hunter's season before it began. Uh, so you had that at work, and, and then you had LaMichael James, who will miss up to one month after dislocating his elbow and being carted off the field.
5: You know, last week we asked Wesleyan, when he previewed the NFC West. Do you think Marcus Lattimore will make this roster? And there was a crowded backfield at that time. His chances drastically Hmm. changed.
3: Wesleyan has no recollection of...
5: I get get a very two-sided answer to that question. Well, you covered all bases.
3: I still don't think it has an effect on Lattimore because... Yeah, he's got his... He just proof. has to be healthy, and I think there's an open question whether he's ever going to be an NFL player. I mean, it's kind of a sad thing well, to talk about, but they're not counting on him well, to assuming be, a fact. It'd be great, It'd is. be I mean, great if, if he was.
2: And let's and the inconvenient truth, Frank Gore has been proving people wrong for years now, but what if it, this is the year that Frank Gore comes back to earth and isn't Frank Gore anymore? All of a sudden, the Niners have an issue at running back, it seems
4: like. Well, they've got Carlos Hyde. That's one of the reasons the 49ers stockpile draft picks. And... As many differences as there are between uh, the superpowers like the 49ers and the Seahawks and a team like the Cowboys, this is one that goes overlooked. The mm-hmm. Cowboys never have depth because they pay their they overpay their own players so heavily that and they don't draft as well, but really having depth look that they have Carlos Hyde ready to go.
3: Right, it's true. It, most teams you draft Carlos Hyde, he's going to be your lead running back right away. And now are they're just in a spot where whether he's ready or not, he's definitely going to get six, eight, ten carries a game. They're he's gonna still be in a great shape, at running back, yeah. and they seem to like him. The question is more passing downs. I think Frank Gore is going to have to have a bigger share of the passing down works. They, you know, Hunter was going to do that. LaMichael James could have done that. He'll be back during the regular season. Don't
5: sleep on Jewel Hampton. Also, we're talking about a team that we're talking about a team
4: who's fullback. Was third on the team in targets last year. Yeah, but not
5: that is that is true. But that was an aberration of why well, they can degree. play more one back sets with their fullback right. in there on third downs
3: get, and get the fullback off the field. You got all these wide receivers. Stevie Johnson's in town. I mean, guys like Quentin Patton might not even make the team. They they should throw the ball this year. I think they will. I think they
4: will too.
2: Don't sleep on Jewel Kilcher, the singer songwriter <laughs> making a big comeback. In Don't 2014. ever sleep. She that's,
3: is? that's that's no. Jewel's last name. Yes. Yes. Come on How about Greg. that. Oh, give me a break like anyone knows that, Jewel. K. I K. owned a Jewel album.
2: The, I, I once wow. traded I a jewel, I did. jewel CD I did. for, <laughs> I
4: did too. for the House 90- of Pain and uh, Bob Marley's Greatest Hits. I believe so became I became a man, out, essentially. The, I came out way on
3: time. The 90s were an embarrassing place. I used to wonder, like, what is the music that I'll be embarrassed to have owned? You know, once when I go, Jewel is the answer. Jewel is the answer.
2: Wow, that is pretty bad. <laughs> but I also own every live album through 2001. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> The Green Bay Packers have gotten a deal done with Jordy Nelson. NFL media insider Ian Rapaport broke the news that the team agreed with the receiver to a four-year extension worth 39 million, and that includes 14.2 million in guaranteed money. Uh, the team made the, the signing official later. Nelson, we it had been reported, was looking for at least 10 million a year. Looks like he got just about that. And as far as uh, the type of uh, when sizing up his contract with others, he's in the Pierre Garcon, Victor Cruz. Range, which is sounds about right, or maybe a little underpaid. I don't know. What do you guys think?
4: I think he's better than both of those players, but
3: he belongs in that range. He's not Calvin Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald level. And they signed him to one of the best. Most team-friendly contracts of the last ten years. On his last contract, I think this one underpays him a little bit, but it gives him the bump that he deserves. I mean, I was making the best wide receiver rankings in Wessling's absence a couple of weeks ago. Y- you have to put him as a top ten wide receiver right now.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think you know, and Wessling's been pounding the table for Jordy for a long time. He's underrated. The Packers <laughs> see that. That they they. But, <laughs> but
2: I, I used his first name there. It just felt very like Jordy. Close. He's your buddy.
5: Listen. Jordy is a, a nice guy, as far as I can tell, from the remote, remote uh, televisions. But, you know, Reggie Cobb is the question for me because he's in his Randall contract. Year, Rand, sorry, Randall Cobb is in his contract year. Do they sew him up before he uh, gets away? I mean, he's got to be a priority as well. Didn't he just say he doesn't deserve one? He yeah. said he, that, that felt like lip service to me. But I thought it was nice of him to say that.
3: Yeah, you never hear a player say that. It's like, I've been hurt too much. I don't deserve it yet. And he knows in the back of his mind, as long as he has a good season, he's going to get a contract comparable it, to Jordan Nelson, I would think. It's smarter for him to keep quiet about his contract until after the season
4: because he didn't stay healthy last year. And this year, as long as he stays healthy, he'll have 80 or 90 catches and over
5: 1,000 yards. Well, and Ian Rapoport did mention that. NFL
2: media insider.
5: Correct. Yes. Ian Rapoport mentioned that they wouldn't even touch that till next offseason. So, and I think betting on himself... That's one guy that can make more money Although by who, doing so. Who
3: knows? The Packers are so good at drafting wide receivers that they always have the next Randall Cobb coming along. You never know. You might have to watch out. The rookie there does well. Jarrett Boykin has a big season. Maybe they don't pay huge money to Cobb. That's a good point. Devontae Adams ready to step up. More extension pop.
2: Kyle Rudolph has signed a five-year deal with the Minnesota Vikings worth $36.5 Uh Ian Rappaport, NFL Media Insider Ian Rappaport, also reported that, that on Sunday. Uh, that puts him in an average of $7.3 million per year in new mon- money, which is fifth highest at his position. Is Kyle Rudolph in that level of production or at that level of tight end?
4: Well, I think here's what's going on. The Vikings just followed what Jurgen Klinsmann said that uh, you should do in sports. Bond. Wow, back pay, to the World
3: Cup. Pay We're for back.
4: future production, not past production, and they fully expect Kyle Rudolph to be a Pro Bowl player. In Norv Turner's offense, which has seen Jordan Cameron flourish, Antonio Gates, any number of tight ends.
5: Yeah, I, I would agree with that, Wesley. And in they, in the other side of that is that you've got Teddy Bridgewater, who Norv Turner has seemingly fallen in love with earlier than some expected. And Bridgewater, you know, Norv says he can throw any pass on the field, but he's going to use that tight end position a ton. And I think they're sewing them up as a long-term partnership between quarterback and tight end. It's what... Good teams
3: do. They keep all their young players that are above-average starters. You don't need to be a superstar to get that big-money contract. You just need to be better than the average starting player at your position and be in your mid-20s, and smart teams always lock those guys up. Pro Bowl MVP, Kyle Rudolph. Right. But also, he wouldn't have gotten in that <laughs> game without 15 injuries and people didn't want to go
4: to well, wherever.
2: Pro Bowl MVP. You can't You never take that away from him. Also, <laughs> you never can.
4: Now perhaps the wealthiest person to ever graduate from my high school.
2: Oh, Kyle Ritter. <laughs> wow. That
4: was, From Elder High School in Cincinnati. Good for him. Congrats,
3: yeah. Elder.
2: Um, yeah. Moving on to other issues in backfields across the NFL. Vic Ballard suffered a torn Achilles tendon in practices on Friday. The running back, you know, all but certainly ends his season. That was first reported by Chris Mortensen of ESPN. And now the Indianapolis Colts are in a potentially tricky situation. Trent Richardson was in line to be the starter, but he is Trent Richardson. You have Ahmad Bradshaw who's had injury issues. Uh, they just cut Chris Rainey for uh, for some type of discipline issue, and uh, Daniel Heron. Heron. Boom.
4: Heron. Heron. Boom. Heron.
2: Daniel Heron. So you have those. That's not a scintillating depth chart behind Richardson. And now you take up Ballard, who could have really been a player for them.
3: And, oh, by the way, Trent Richardson is out of practice because he has a nagging hamstring injury early in training camp. Shocker. Just something to watch. It, they're counting on a mild Bradshaw too much would be my big takeaway because you have no idea what Richardson's going to be like, and you really need Bradshaw to be a valuable player for them now. And
5: it's a team that they showed no interest in re-signing Donald Brown, which is fine, except that I would say Andrew Luck might have been your most secure short yardage runner at the end of last year. It's mm. a weird team. Too many ifs in that backfield.
3: Yeah. Way too many I, I ifs. I feel bad for Ballard, too. He just seems like a likable guy. Remember that play he made? He was a nice story as a rookie, that jumping through the air for the touchdown to end the game. One of the better plays of the last five years or so. And, you know, he tears his ACL, and he's in his second practice back, and he tears his Achilles.
2: Here's another person to feel sorry for. Carl Nix's frustrating run with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is over. This happened on Friday after our last podcast. The team announced that they have quote, mutually agreed to part ways with each other. Knicks, of course, was a big free agent signing a couple of years back with the Bucks. after having some really nice success with the Saints. Uh, came down with a toe infection that turned into a MRSA infection situation where, you know, there was questions about, you know, if he'll keep the toe or if he'll ever be able to be healthy on the toe again. And now it seems like he might not ever be healthy. And he said in a statement released by the team, he's stepping away from football. We don't know if that means retirement, but it could mean that. Knicks uh, out of Tampa.
3: This guy was a first-team All-Pro, not a pro bowler, not some Kyle Rudolph that, you know, sort of snuck into the game. He was considered <laughs> one of the very best guards in football, and he was paid like it, and— Bucks got virtually nothing out of that contract. It's, it's a tough situation and has to go down as one of the worst contracts of the last five years or so just because of, of the injury. It's a
5: team that dumped a lot of free agent money into their offensive line when Shiano was there. Their line is completely different at this point, and I especially feel for TD, who as a fellow MRSA sufferer, knows exactly what Carl Nix has gone through.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, on a very special Around the League podcast, TD breaks down his staff infection Issues.
4: Guys, you know I wasn't paying attention. But, all right. <laughs> hey, at least <laughs> move on. <laughs> Keep it real.
2: respect that. Um, finally, a couple of holdout-related things from uh, before the weekend. Andre Johnson, his uh, standoff with the Texans came to a close. Uh, he reported to the team at camp and then told reporters, I just love playing the game of football. But in Andre Andre Johnson would set it in a deep baritone that would get the ladies all excited. So he's there. Uh, on the other hand, Marshawn Lynch, as we know, not at Seattle Seahawks camp. Uh, Beast Mode told uh, former teammate Michael Robinson, uh, it actually happened live on NFL Network, that he would not uh, be attending camp. He wants a new deal. He feels like he's underpaid. Uh, gentlemen, I guess Lynch is the one that jumps out because of how much he means to that team. A, anyway, he gets paid and gets what he wants. B, if he doesn't, is this a situation where the beast mode could be missing for a while, knowing that he's kind of an interesting character?
3: I don't think anybody can predict what Marshawn Lynch is going to do. I I could see this going in a lot of ways, and I just feel like the word retirement will come back up over the next month. And I probably won't put too much Mm. stock into it, but you just feel like this is going to have some ups and downs. I was
5: just about to say, I wouldn't be shocked if one of us somewhere out of nowhere had to write a retirement post for Marshawn Lynch, he, he's totally unpredictable.
3: And the Seahawks have come out strongly and made the statements that Lynch is not going to get more money, which you don't see this. I mean, they haven't said it directly, but John Schneider said he should be here. We're dis- uh, Pete Carroll said we're disappointed he's not there. It's a contract for a reason. We expect it to be. Carroll even getting a little heat from within the team. Doug Baldwin sending out a tweet <laughs> saying that he was – You know, he didn't buy this, we signed a contract for a reason argument. I don't buy it either. It's kind of stupid in the NFL when teams can just cut players at any time.
4: Maybe Doug Baldwin should pipe down. He's not the GM. Well, he actually. If he wants to get paid, Marshawn Lynch is going to take some of the. Well, he already got paid, but <laughs> he, it's not his business. He yeah. needs to pipe down about that. If Marshawn Lynch gets a more slice of the pie, then there's left l- less for less left for other guys. I
5: think it's a little bit. If we found out one of us was suddenly getting in, in the eyes of the crew in the locker room, getting disrespected mm. by the team, you'd stick up for each other. I don't what? think he's getting
4: disrespected. He well, got rewarded when no one else wanted him. The Seattle Seahawks traded for him, right. installed him as a starter, was patient when he had 19 straight games of doing nothing, and then
3: paid him and rewarded him. Pa- paid him, and then he added DUI, Which and it's two years into that four-year contract. And something about that kind of rubs me like, hey, buddy, like I don't know if you're the guy to be asking for the big raise. Baldwin was savvy, though. He didn't mention Carroll by name. It was clear he was talking about what Carroll said, but he didn't mention it, and it was in a tweet. And, Chris, I've learned that's what's called a subtweet.
4: Yes, it is.
3: What is that Thanks exactly? Thanks to Goose
4: Gustafson for that one.
3: A subtweet, you know, when you're kind of calling someone out, but you don't say them by name. You don't put the at mention. Mm. It's kind of obvious, you know, you're talking about someone, but you're not going to throw Gre- their name. Greg, I've always the viewed you as –
4: Subliminal heat, you know?
3: Yeah. Passive-aggressive, really. You know, you ro- I think ma- it's kind of BS. Adam would dab him, you know? This is how it is. <laughs> Adam
2: would dab him. <laughs> I've always thought of Greg as kind of a cool dad. And it's just reinforced here with his knowledge of subtweets.
5: I heard some whispers (laughs) last week in the office that uh, Lynch, who has been home, you know, for much of the offseason, took a look at our Kristen Michael making the lead piece Mm. and suddenly was over. He was cowed by what was wrong. This
2: almost certainly is not true, but I I like the thought.
4: It's a legitimate possibility that the Seahawks are gearing up to cut Marshall Lynch next offseason. Wow. He's got a a lot of tread under his tires and is one of the most physical, violent runners in the league. And he'll be 30 soon. Why not us? Uh, All
2: right, so that's what's happening, gentlemen.
5: That was good news.
2: A lot of nuggets. uh, That's how it's going to be all throughout the summer. There's a lot of heat going on in the NFL these days. Well,
5: Starting Sunday, we've got a football game, and we don't have a weekend without one. Until February, so say goodbye to your families, say goodbye to your wives and children, say goodbye to everyone you've I ever did. met.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that's what's happening. All right, gentlemen, we have a very special guest in the studio right now. He's uh, now former general manager of the New York Jets. Now he's on the other side of the table. He's a successful agent for Priority Sports. Right now, he's working with NFL Network. Mr. T, Mike Tannenbaum.
6: Hey guys, how are you? What's well, up? Welcome.
3: Good it's to an have honor you. have you here. We hear, you know, that you're. Uh, Somewhat regular listener of the podcast.
6: I would say so. I would say more sporadic than regular. <laughs> but, I, I, I have room for improvement. But the <laughs> truth is, and if you look at
2: Mr. Tannenbaum's phone, our podcast is the only football podcast. Yes or no, Mike? Yes. Bang. See, that's very huge. wise. That's huge. Bang. <laughs> So we got a lot to get into because uh, having a former GM in here a guy that knows the stuff this is a privilege for the ATL
6: podcast. So let's I know go- my stuff. Don't you read nfl.com? <laughs> who says I know my stuff?
3: <laughs> All right. We've well, moved past that era.
6: We're moving <laughs> forward. you a liar. <laughs> um,
2: but no, I guess off that, right off the bat, I'm curious as somebody who spent so much time with the Jets and now you're on the other side in the media talking about the Jets, and obviously people ask you about the Jets all the time. Is it difficult for you to be objective or not to look at everything the Jets do and just be so close to it that you can't really –
6: You know, get into it. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know uh, Peter Gammons, you know, the uh, (coughs) longtime baseball writer. When he had his uh, induction ceremony into Cooperstown, he had a great line. He said that, you know, as a professional, he had to tolerate everybody because that was his job. But (laughs) as a human being, he had the right to like, you know, some people more than others. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that Mm -hmm. statement. And, you know, at the Jets, there's a lot of people that – I spilled a lot of blood with and I care d- deeply for and I continue to root for. You know, as they ha- acclimate more and more new players uh, into that organization, it becomes just another team. But there's still so many people there that I care deeply for.
3: Is it tough to talk about, Rex? I mean, when you're talking about strategy and everything, they're asking questions, put you on the spot.
6: Yeah, I mean, Rex, gosh, first of all, all those stories, they're all true. Right. <laughs> uh, but he's a special guy. We had a great run. We're still good friends. Uh, and when I'm doing stuff on the media and NFL Network, it's, look, I'm going to go by what we see. And it's been more good than bad. And, you know, they, I thought, did a good job this offseason, Greg, in terms of shoring up some of these areas they needed to. Um, and we'll see how it pans out. I was actually curious. You were on NFL Network last week, and you mentioned that you could
2: foresee Rex being tempted to use Mike Vick, even if Geno Smith is the starter. Obviously, you were there when Tebow was there, and and the Jets tried that. It didn't work out. But you think the team would still want to do that, or would they be scared off by what happened with Tebow?
6: Well, if you go back, even the former iteration from that was Brad Smith. and We had a lot of success with Brad, and the thinking is very simplistic where – If the ball's in the hands of the quarterback, it's a lot harder to defend. And if they have a 10-15 play package, which we did with Brad and we did effectively, um, it could put a lot of pressure on the defense. And if you go back to our 2009 and 10 teams, we had a lot of success there. And from a pure football standpoint, that was our thinking with Tim Tebow. He'd come in, give us those 15, 20 snaps a game, change of pace, give the opposing defensive coordinators uh, other things to worry about. Obviously... You know that was a decision that didn't work out, and he brought so many eyeballs to the discussion that it kind of skewed the football decision, which was a fourth-round pick and two million dollars. With that said, I think a guy like Michael Vick, you know, the temperature is way down from where it was with you know Tebow, maybe more akin to where it was with Brad Smith, and it's a, it's just another weapon. That's not to say you're going to use it week in week out, guys, but you know you have three three and out. you need a change of pace. He could come in, make a couple plays, and that can energize the whole team. Did nope.
3: Did that get to you at all that when you're making a Tebow move that? It's getting noticed from people at the highest levels of the country. You were telling us a little story. Barack Obama gave you a little grief for that.
6: Yeah, yeah. He was uh, one of many, (laughs) you know, so uh, I was was floored. You know, two years before that, we traded for Brett Favre, and I'm thinking, like, Brett Favre, New York, championship games. We've kind of seen it all. But the interesting thing about Tim, and he's a great person, everybody has a strong opinion about Tim Tebow. Some love him. Some don't. Um, you know how, as he is as a person look, I- I'm privileged to be a father. I love the way that he turned out as a human being. I hope my children take a lot of the life lessons that Tim brings to the table and the philanthropy that he be- uh, be- you know st- so strongly believes in. With that said, Greg, I, I was shocked. I-, I knew what we were getting into, but to the level you know even surprised I mean, us Obama. You didn't take a shot back at Obama, did you? <laughs> no, but surprisingly, neither did Rex. <laughs> okay. What
5: about now you have the Jets have Geno Smith in there, and it's so important, I think, to nurture a young quarterback and give him that confidence to feel like he's the guy. And the Jets, over the years, they had a tough time with, we're going to have one quarterback, and there'll be no further discussion about who's going to start. And then you do bring in Vic, and you talked a little bit about that, but is it the best thing for Geno to have a guy like Michael Vic breathing down your neck?
6: I do because it's competition. You know, you, you you in the NFL, you either produce or you don't. If he's worried about Michael Vick, they got the wrong quarterback. He, there's going to be the different version of Michael Vick all the time, and if you're worried about that, then he doesn't have the right makeup.
5: Another guy that you worked with closely over the years, Mike Petton, obviously suddenly goes from being in the shadows behind Rex Ryan to thrust into the spotlight because of probably because of the quarterback they just drafted. What what can you tell us about Pettin that we don't already
6: know? You know. With Mike, it's really what you see is what you get, and I think he'll embody that division really well. You know, he came from uh, the Ravens before he was with the Jets, obviously had a good year in Buffalo, and they're going to be a tough, hard-nosed team. They'll be a tough out. You know, that the question I have on Manziel at the end of the day in that division is he built to last. You know, you look at what Kyle Shahan did with RG3 one year. They went to the playoffs. Next year, RG3 gets hurt. So the question is when Manziel gets in there, we all know eventually he will you know, is he built to last? And, and that's going to be the question they're going to have to answer to have success there. I, I like a lot of their other pieces. Four out of the five offensive linemen were drafted in the first or second round. That's assuming that Batonio from Nevada, their second-round pick starts. So there's, I think they have a lot of talent there. And, and look, defensively, now that they added Pierre Serre in the fourth round, along with Justin Gilbert and Joe Hayden, they're going to have depth at corner. So... They have a lot of good pieces. Would you have been spooked as a GM to take Manzel, considering all the off-the-field stuff you know, for durability issues? Yeah, you know, for me, it would be more of a football decision. Yeah. If you're worried about all the noise, especially in the New York market, and obviously, you know, Jerry Reese could talk to this uh, as well, you're not going to make any moves. You know, if you're worried about the criticism and what other people are going to think – you're in the wrong line of business. Now, with that said, like, you know, you don't wake up every morning and say, wow, who's ripping you know my butt today? Um, no one likes that. But right. you know, that's when you want the privilege of the job and you want the fame and the adulation and everything that goes with it, there's going to be some negatives. And if you don't embrace it, it's it's not for you. Now, butt, rippings. you
3: butt rippings are the worst. Yeah. I have found. I, yeah. I know you haven't been listening to the show as regularly as we would like and as you would like, I'm sure. But we have had a running bit where Chris Wesseling, one of our writers who, who's here with us today – Uh, he will eat his softball pants if Brian Hoyer is the week one starter. Now, he made that prediction... Back in May, and it you know kind of made sense. Now we're here in the cold light of training camp. You've been watching them each day, you know. You know what Mike, how Mike Pettin works. Like, how comfortable should we be that uh, Wesley's not going to die after eating some softball? Yeah,
6: we get a knife and fork and start ready to cut those pants up. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm betting on Hoyer for a lot of reasons. Look at the first three weeks. You know, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, and Baltimore. They got a bye week, and really from an organizational standpoint, if you think about it, you're so much better off starting with Hoyer and taking Manzel off the bench. The inverse of that is if Johnny comes out and stumbles against those first three really good defenses, it's going to be a lot harder for him to earn the trust and confidence of those teammates. So it's really low-hanging fruit in terms of who should start in in, in terms of Hoyer. Also, you want to make sure Manziel earns it from making sure he knows all his assignments, mental errors. And the last thing Mike Patton's going to do is make it easy on Johnny Manziel. Hmm. Uh, So, I'm curious also, your name started popping up
2: outside the NFL, moved into sports agent work. We mentioned Priority Sports. Uh, Steve Kerr signed a big contract with the Golden State Warriors, $25 million. Hubba hubba. Uh, David Blatt. Just signed the deal to coach the Cavs, which is probably the best job in America other than being on the ATL podcast, I'd say. You have carved
6: out very quickly a nice niche in that business. Yeah, thank you. There you yeah. go. <laughs> um, you know, I'm just fortunate to be around a lot of good people and, uh, I was fortunate to, you know, be able to work with Steve Kerr through the relationships at Priority Sports, and and Steve's a, a good coach and a and a better human being. And David Blatt's a guy that grew up uh, ten minutes away from me uh, in Framingham, Massachusetts. You know, neither one of us mm-hmm. were privileged enough to be from Wilbraham, but despite that, we have turned <laughs> wow. out okay. And uh, <laughs> there's
2: a let, let me just uh, add that Greg <laughs> Rosenthal from Wilbraham. Yeah. See, Mike knows it, some and heat, you don't know it. We worked heat.
3: next to each other yeah. for two years, and he, Tannen, Mike Tannenbaum. You know, we have talked over the years a little bit. He's one of those guys, I guess that's how you get to that spot. I'm not one of those guys <laughs> that has a steel-trap mind. And every person that he meets, he remembers some little thing about them or where they're from. And, yes, Wilbraham, the home of Friendly's Ice Cream. And we worked out something that t- Mike <laughs> is actually going to be paid in fribbles for this appearance.
6: And, uh, and if not, I'm going to on Lynch this podcast <laughs> oh, and walk away. Hello.
3: Wait, what is a fribble? A you don't frib- know what a fribble is? No. Come on. Uh, basically like a milkshake. <laughs> Their a, a milkshake. It's a world-class with milkshake. It's a world-class milkshake. Special really? flavoring yeah. involved, yeah. So
2: how are you going to get this? I used to, Mike? to be a
3: waiter. Uh, well, he'll be here. We'll we'll have it shipped in. The, only the best. Greg,
2: Greg's <laughs> going the fribble procurement business. Oh, really? That's good. That's good. <laughs> Very That's, special. So yeah. So are you? Is this like kind of your new career now? You going to do the agent. You're gonna be a TV guy, or do you have any like? urge to get back into a front office
6: you know I've been fortunate I've always lived my life by one saying choose a job you love and you never work a day in your life and I've been able to do a lot of great things so I really enjoy the agent it's been uh, a fulfillment and uh, really helped some quality people some notable like Blatt and Kerr but a lot of guys under the radar so we'll see what the future holds and uh, it's been a great run
5: let me ask you one uh, let's go back to the Jets for one minute Santonio Holmes a guy that It's hard for me to figure out on some level with a couple of teams really needing wide receiver help, why can he not
6: get a job right now? Well, you know, uh, for a number of reasons. First of all, he helped us win a lot of games there. Uh, But I think you'll see a number of veterans maybe sign later in camp, depending on injuries. We've unfortunately seen a lot of run at, you know, the running backs in terms of guys getting hurt from Kendall Hunter to Vic Ballard. and um, So you'll see maybe one or two veteran running backs sign, I would think, in the next couple weeks. And then there'll be another group of guys that will sign after opening day when their salaries won't become guaranteed. But I would think Santonio will play in the league this year. But
3: if he wasn't a knucklehead, someone would assign him, right? I mean, how talented is he?
6: We read Collision Low Crossers. I'm just, just saying, say is that, <laughs> that, is that the reason why Holmes he's not on a team?
2: What's a butthead? You know, Greg, I can't opine
6: with the 32 decision. You were there. Bases. You yeah. were there with him. Uh, no, look, he, he's, look, he's a complicated guy, but I, I like Santonio. He did a lot of good things, um, and I think he'll find a home.
3: Complicated.
6: Hmm. I like that. Uh, Mr. Tenenbaum has
2: more work to do with NFL Network. He, he took some time out to spend it with us. We appreciate it. Best of luck with everything. I would like you to be my agent in the future if possible.
6: All right. Hey, guys, I really appreciate it. You. you know what's great? Just being around the three of you and listening to it. it's obvious you like each other, you love football, and uh, you guys do a really good job. Yeah, thanks
3: very much. All thanks, right. So thanks thanks a lot,
6: Mike. Mike Tannenbaum.
2: <clears throat> By the way, it, ha- it has to be kind of a weird thing when the president is talking about you. Like in general, like you as a human being, you're at another yeah. level of just people being in the spotlight. It had, to, it had to be tough to be at that level. <laughs> Certainly, especially when the it's Tebow thing awesome. was going on. Awesome, but not in, in that situation, it wasn't in a good way. Everyone kind of <laughs> – kind of that happened when Tebow was there, which may be rightfully so. But when you got Obama calling you out.
3: Yeah, right. I guess Mike told us the story before he went on just that basically Obama made a comment like, what are, what are the Jets thinking? And he they, they had to keep his mouth shut on that.
5: Got to have yes, blinders on. something. we
3: can't.
2: <laughs> 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 uh, right, so – before we Hopefully we'll get Mike back in there, back, yeah. back in the studio. He's, he's, a, he's a good guy. It's good to have a former GM in the room. Uh, before we get out of here, we wanted to uh, talk about, as we move closer to the regular season, everybody's in camp now getting ready for 2014, uh, go around the table and talk about some takeaways or surprises, things that we've seen from training camp uh, to this point that have jumped out at you. So I figure let's do it right now. We'll start with the man. <laughs> Who's fresh back from Cincy? He's got a glow. Chris Wesley, what do you think, buddy? Well,
4: I'll, Mike Tannenbaum just set it up for me. The biggest surprise is Brian Hoyer, except the Cleveland Browns. The Browns haven't said that Hoyer's a starter, but conventional wisdom on all the fantasy sites, on Twitter, from Mike Tannenbaum, from everybody in the media Brian Hoyer is going to be under center in week one, and it's shocking to me that people have such short memories. Four years ago, Cam Newton came into training camp behind Jimmy Clausen. Ron Rivera said, look, we we hope to get some packages where we put Cam Newton on the field behind Jimmy Clausen. We know that at some point this season, we're going to be using both quarterbacks. Cam Newton beat him out, and not because he played well, because they just realized he's he's the better player.
5: Well, the, the important distinction, at least, is that, by all accounts, it is a competition in terms of the coaches and the way they're going to analyze these two players. They've never veered away from that. In fact, they were ripped initially for saying it would be a competition. And they've stuck to their guns, so at least they have that. I, I, I think that all this uh, squawking about Brian Hoyer being the guy will melt away very, very quickly. Mm. At w- The competition hasn't really even begun. But it has. The training camp, these practices matter. I don't we, think so in any way. I agree with Mark. I don't think so in any way. We haven't seen Johnny Manziel, who is one of the... Listen, he does routine things well. <laughs> what he also does, though, on the field is something that Brian Hoyer's never done, and no one that's played quarterback for the Browns has done since they've come right. back in Until 99. Until two days ago, Brian Hoyer had never okay. done more than face seven on seven since,
2: me ca-
4: he, since he got into a new offense and repaired his knee.
2: Let me kind of go halfway on the issue a little bit because, Wes, while you're right and what you're saying makes sense too, Mark, that this is far from over – there are enough signs to to see that Brian Hoyer is in good good position to potentially win this job. It is no longer absurd to think. And I know Wes, when we talked about it heading towards training camp, a major point for you was he had this major knee injury. He's coming back from that seems not to be an issue
3: at
4: all. He hasn't faced the, he hasn't faced contact yet. Yeah, but what, what? I mean, a knee issue doesn't mean anything but, when nobody's but hitting. But he's you. not
3: going to, except for a couple quarters in the preseason. Right,
4: and he could turn out to be an abject disaster because his knee's not ready. All we
2: can base it on is what we're hearing right now and how the reps are being broken down. And Hoyer
3: between the happening in New York, Michael Vick's getting a certain percentage of the first team reps right now. Manziel is getting the second team reps. That's what Cam Newton was doing. Is getting the first team reps, and that will change. It'll change in a week. The things that I'd be worried about if I were you, Wes, are the reports that Manziel hasn't looked great in practice, that he maybe regressed a little bit in the offseason, that there is a legitimate concern with some work ethic issues. And with all of that mixed in, if he's struggling a little bit in camp, they're not going to look for another excuse to keep him on the bench for the first few weeks. It's not about... Manziel Again. becoming the guy. Of course he's going to become the guy. It's just week one that we're talking about. Again, a week and a half
4: into August, people were saying the exact same things about Cam Newton. Cam Newton, Newton by the way, practice, number one overall playbook, pick. Lost practice time because of the lockout. It's different, though. How is Cam it's Newton in the same and situation and as Johnny Manziel?
2: It's not what do you mean, how are they? A number one overall pick.
4: He was. They're both first-round picks. They both came into camp behind a very underwhelming guy who had... Jimmy Clausen had more starts under his belt than Brian Horton. And they hated him, though. Well, they what didn't want Well, one question
5: for you, Wes. Just when you look around the league, do you feel the same level of outrage that Chad Henney is the unquestioned starter in Jacksonville or that uh, you know Matt Castle is being talked about as a guy that you put in the bridge. No, why because the why ja- not let Manziel s- sit and learn a little bit? Why, the Jaguars
4: why is- came out and said, Blake Bortles will not play. The, the Browns did not do that.
5: But if this competition is won in their eyes, fair and square by Hoyer... I, don't think, I have no you... problem with that. I have a
4: problem with the conventional wisdom that Hoyer already has the job locked up. Look, no, he's just a favorite. Cut, here's
3: what practices
4: are for. Who's saying mental saying he's one Games are already. for physical ability. No one's saying Everybody. it's over. one's saying, it's saying it's over? You're,
3: you're getting antsy because you can taste yeah, that. Yeah, let's, no, that. let's that. Look,
4: cut through the,
2: the malarkey here. You're a little nervous yeah. about eating those softball pants. pants. If
4: I was
3: nervous, I wouldn't be so vocal about
4: this. You, how pants.
2: confident are you that you're not going to eat softball pants, percentage-wise? <laughs> 85%. That's down,
4: though. Look, this is – for me, it's about everybody acting like practice means more than games. It doesn't. When you say and we everybody – but, but he's only going to
3: have one – he's only going to have two games because they're going to start the right. – they're going to decide after the second game. He's not starting the first game. Right. So maybe he gets one start. Maybe he gets one quarter. Maybe it does all come down to that. But otherwise, the tie is going to go to Hoyer. Final it word to West. It always comes down to the preseason games. Always. Agreed.
2: Greg, your early camp takeaway –
3: well, the, just, I like that heat. That's why Wes is back in the building. One one quote that stuck out with me on Sunday when I was at home more than the rest was an interview with Sam Bradford uh, that he had with Kurt Warner on NFL Network where they asked him what Kenny Britt, uh, how he's looked so far in training camp. And, and Bradford's quote was, Kenny Britt's really brought a lot of veteran leadership that I think that room needed. <laughs> oh, brother. It's been missing in the past. Kenny Britt's brought it to the table. If Kenny Britt is bringing your veteran leadership, you got some serious problems. And
5: well, in that Rams receiving group, they have <laughs> something <bad>. like eight <laughs> players picked in the top 4 rounds over the last 3 or 4 years. They've done everything they can to stock one Who is the leader? You don't have a single guy Britt. that isn't a total milk toast pass it's catcher. Kenny Rams. He, well, kinda, it's Kenny Britt. He's kind on Austin It's kind of like he's not a leader.
4: I would love to be a fly in the wall when the Tennessee Titans coaching staff First sees
3: that quote about Kenny Britt being the leader of the, <laughs> of the Rams wide receiver. Uh, they body. gotta laugh! It's like when the <laughs> yeah. when the Patriots brought in Randy Moss. You know, just Britt's going to change the whole situation. Wow, he he is starting though, at least in practices. That and that does strike me as interesting. I want to watch him and see how that goes. Right now, it sounds like Brian Quick and Kenny Britt are well, lining look, up as the first. It's hard to beat out Austin Pettit. I was also interested to see Quick as a starter. You got. You know, it's, look
2: at, I want to watch Look it. at the ATL team quickly distancing themselves from uh, Givens, who was, I believe, a making-the-leap candidate in 2013. No, I like Chris Givens. I
3: think in the end I'd take him <laughs> over Quick or Britt, well, if that's what we're comparing. They're all borderline number two receivers at best.
4: Mark, your takeaway.
5: Uh, what stood out for me, and I this is a good development in Minnesota, who, you know, it's going to be tough in that division for them to succeed, but I like the way that they're uh, open to the idea of Teddy Bridgewater Taking over sooner than later. There, they, you know, Jay Glazer was there and said that there is, in quotes, just huge optimism about what they've seen early on. And I think the question for me was whether Bridgewater and Norv Turner would be, despite all the pretty words, a really good marriage. But it was Turner when Bridgewater had that awful pro day, where he saw some of the issues as receiver issues on that pro day, and he obviously Bridgewater wasn't wearing the infamous glove. He brought him around, he worked with him, he liked what he saw, and he feels like he can run his offense well. And Matt Castle, this whole thing of a bridge quarterback that we talk about for months and months – utter nonsense, just like it will be with Manziel, or frankly, I don't even think this is holds true with Bortles necessarily. Any one of these guys are going to be on the field waste. Why you take a quarterback in the first round? I would round. be
2: disappointed if the Vikings, because I thought they had a nice plan in place. They didn't, they brought Castle back. I thought it was like making sense. Let's, let's instead of rushing every rookie quarterback into the lineup like has happened the last few years, put Castle in there a bit. Let, let wait until Bridgewater is comfortable. Bring him in by October 1st. It's okay. We don't need to rush these Guys, I think the only reason Bridgewater should be started week one is if they are absolutely positive he can handle the yeah. playbook and can do the job. But if they have any reservations,
5: put Castle in- July. And we're talking about let's be patient and do things around week six or seven. When you're a coach and your team is one in four, the hair is on fire. Well, the organization late. is under duress. You can't wait duress. that long. I would say. Well, what's you, October? Yeah, what's
3: why? What's the difference? Yeah, it, I'm saying I. It's think up to you, Bridgewater if he if he deserves to start and he's that good. You just in start too many
2: him. cases, I feel like these rookies just have been put in whether they were ready or not because they invested so much in them that became the new thing to do in the NFL.
4: And then Andrew put them and in. then Cam Newton has the best rookie season ever. Then RG three has the best rookie season ever. Then Andrew Luck plays great. Then Russell Wilson plays awesome. I mean, Dan's well, point is well taken. Well, you could name a lot of other
5: guys that didn't work. Right, right. But Dan's, that's what I'm saying. If, if you're ready, you're ready. Whether there's a good year or for bad year for quarterbacks, a bunch get drafted in the first round, and Dan's point's well taken, that only a handful of them real shoved on the field. Blaine Gabbard got pushed on the field, and three straight coaches went down because of him. I mean, I, I, I think, though, Bridgewater, what they're saying, is a little bit different.
3: It's fair to say he's changed their thinking, because they weren't planning on him probably splitting the reps this early, but he's been so good, you gotta let him play. He's the guy. And for the
4: record, I remember the golden days when Pro, a pro day performance meant about as much as off-season quarterback competition performance and practice. <laughs> <laughs> they mean nothing. Um, okay, finally, this one uh, with the Jets, they they seem to be back
2: to being the Jets a little bit, and I'm not – necessarily excited about this as a fan, but after last year, we remember, they went into last season, I think ESPN ranked them as the number 32 team in the NFL. Everyone thought they were going to win three or four games. They ended up winning in eight games, and I think now with a couple of signings and a free, and picking up uh, a, a big-time safety in the draft, they're back to being the the braggadocious Jets, or as Sessler called it in his post, uh, the, the latest installment in the gangrene braggart trilogy, Geno <laughs> Smith declares... He's about to be a top-five quarterback, uh, which is outrageous. D. Milner uh, shrugs off his uneven first year and says that he is the best cornerback in the NFL. He seriously said that. And then pass rusher Calvin Pace said uh, that the Jets' defense tell, tells the New York Daily News that the Jets' defense will overtake Seattle's as the NFL's fam- uh, finest. And I will read off the quote. Uh, compared to the rest of the defenses in the NFL – man we're the best (laughs) Now, I'll just say that I'm I'm more excited about this season than last season and they overperformed last season but I would like it if the Jets just you know be a regular team you don't need to be you don't need to do this right now I don't think they can help it
3: you forgot about the prequel Rex Ryan started camp by saying he's a great coach and the Patriots better be worried about us. And oh, he, I forgot about he's that. Set yeah. the, he's setting the tone. I wish we had a video that could just show Chris Wessling's look <laughs> of disgust that he's had for the last minute. Look, Patriots. I
4: have five younger brothers, and this is what younger brothers do. They mouth off. The Patriots are sitting there laughing at him. Tom Brady never says he's the best. Rob Gronkowski never says he's the best tight end. Bill Belichick never says he's the best coach. Revis doesn't say he's the best corner. You know why? Because they actually are. They don't have to prove it's it. It's
2: funny how little success the Jets need to be back <laughs> to thinking that they're the best. Winning eight games is, has been the equivalent of them viewing themselves as AFC contenders. I
5: think part of it, I mean, in Gino, to be fair to Gino, he was told about that ESPN poll where he was sitting at number 32. <laughs> and would you want your quarterback to say, "Well, you know what? Listen, I think I'm probably around 22." And that's a good, and that's where I'll be. I mean, he's just doing it, athlete speak. It's a speak good point you too, you yourself as a god on top of a mountaintop.
2: The media now—it's—it's it's part of covering the Jets to ask these type of questions, and sometimes they lead into comments like this. But at the end of the day, they're still saying it. And maybe I feel like, obviously, that's highly. The email no
3: was especially
2: that was <laughs> yeah.
3: obnoxious.
0: You ask me if I have a god complex. Let me tell you something. I am God. <laughs> if I mean, he number one it.
5: cornerback. Though, well, that's where it's like, you don't you realize? Look, dude, if he gets smarts... to the point
4: where he can start covering Clyde Gates, they're going to be in good shape. <laughs> right, that's right. Clyde like Gates
5: 15 minutes after this thing blew up, Rich Cimini <laughs> from ESPN tweeted, you know, like clockwork, Clyde Gates burns Milner for a 15-yard touchdown. It's all
2: in the wording because to be a cornerback in the NFL, you have to play with a high level of confidence and swagger, but you have to watch how you say things. Come on, Jets. Get it together. All right, guys. That's it. For today's edition of the Around the League podcast, welcome back, Wes. It's great to have you back in the fold.
4: Great to be back. I'm excited
2: about football. Yes, we all are. We're very excited. We will be back on Wednesday to talk more football because that's what we do. We talk mostly about football, a little bit of Weird Al, and you just <laughs> sprinkle in things like that. Uh, so we'll be back Wednesday. Uh, until then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for The Sizzler, The Mailman, The Boss, and TD.
0: I just love playing a
4: game of football. Nice.